Welcome to Law and More, the podcast from award-winning Hong Kong law firm Bose Cohen and Collins that explores issues in the legal world and beyond. In this episode, our partner Lisa Wong welcomes two guests, Senior Counsel Philip Dykes and Counsel Christina Tang, to discuss the complex issue of surrogacy and the potential legal ramifications for Hong Kong couples who choose this method of starting a family. Lisa is part of a family law team, while both barristers have considerable experience in handling surrogacy cases. Stay tuned. Welcome, Mr. Dykes, and welcome, Christina, to be our guests today for our Laura Moore series podcast. And before we discuss surrogacy, I think our listeners would like to know what is surrogacy, and maybe Christina can give us a bit of you know introduction to what surrogacy is. Surrogacy is actually becoming more and more common these days, and it happens when basically a couple or sometimes even individuals placing like. The embryos in another woman's uterus and to have a baby. So a lot of times it happens when they fertility issues or other issues, and they decided to choose that instead of giving birth to the babies like themselves. So this is the area that we see that is becoming more and more common in the recent. Yes. Well, we we are seeing it more and more, and also we are seeing more and more problems coming out from a surrogacy arrangement, and that's why we're here to talk about it. Just so that listeners would know more about what surrogacy is and what kind of things that they need to know before they decide to make arrangement for surrogacy. Now, before we go on, I think listeners would be interested to know what are your connection with surrogacy and your connection with family law. Now, why don't we start with Mr. Dykes? Certainly. Well, my connection with surrogacy, I assure you, is purely professional. I have handled uh, one or two cases, mainly at the advisory stage. It's not something new for me. I have not practiced family law for many, many, many years. I used to have a modest family law practice when I was a barrister in England a long, long time ago. And that started off in an interesting way. As a very junior barrister, you were sent to magistrate's courts handling young men who couldn't keep their own bodies under control. And it meant that I used to appear in magistrate's court on affiliation cases where flinty, hard young women caused wayward youth to be summoned to court to fix responsibility on the youth for the maintenance of the child. Usually encouraged to do so by the social services because the mother was a single mother relying on social benefits and the state wanted to make sure that the father contributed. But I graduated from doing that to doing modest traditional family law work, dealing with divorces and sorting out division of resources and care and custody. But I left all that behind mm-hmm. when I came to Hong Kong, and I'd not done any kind of work like that until recently. Well, I think Mr. Dykes is being very modest. I know that Christina and Mr. Dykes have been doing quite a few surrogacy cases recently, and there's an appeal case in relation to family law in Hong Kong as well that you haven't actually left that all behind. Yeah, well, as I say, having embarked on a few of these cases, mainly advisory, I became first aware of surrogacy issues about seven, eight years ago. That's when I had the first case to advise on. It's only recently they've started appearing in the courts, and I've been involved in a couple of those. And it's quite clear there will be more such cases in the future because of the growing awareness 
by people that surrogacy offers options that were not there before, as uh, Christianaire said, in cases where there are problems with fertility or lifestyle choices. It's interesting to see that uh, Hollywood personalities make it known that they've resorted to surrogacy to have children, and this sort of enhances awareness. So, yes, and the reason why I came to court is because of the legislation in Hong Kong probably not being fit for purpose. The nature of the legislation in Hong Kong causes problems in surrogacy cases that are now surfacing in the courts. And in the cases that you've come across, what are the most common problems? We'll start very briefly with the Hong Kong setup. The two pieces of legislation first relates to actually the technical side, treating cases of infertility so as to enable a successful gestation. That ordinance, more than 25 years ago, the Human Reproductive Technology Ordinance, uh, as I say, deals with the technical side of things. Then the parent child ordinance deals with the consequences. If a child is born pursuant to surrogacy arrangements, to establish a proper formal legal status, you need an order of the parent-child ordinance to make it all, all about board. Those ordinances, I say, shown their age, and they have given rise to unpleasant surprises for some people who've embarked upon surrogacy courses and then found out later on that there are all kinds of problems in their way. Can you give us some kind of insight or details as to what kind of problems that we usually face? The Hong Kong law, the Human Reproduction Technology Ordinance, applies extraterritorially. So any agreement whereby other third parties get any kind of benefit, you have not have the agreement recognised in Hong Kong. Go to the parent-child ordinance, there is again the range from whether or not the agreement has been altruistic or has been one of the sorts of commercial arrangements. There's also formal requirements that the only person that can apply for a parental would be a husband and wife. And as you're probably aware, with more relaxed attitudes to family structures than there might have been 25, 30 years ago, personal social units, same-sex partners, or even single people seek to conform to a family description of themselves. Those kind of arrangements are not recognised by the parent and child ordinance, and they fall outside it. So, in short, if you do not happen to have a purely altruistic surrogacy arrangement recognised under Hong Kong law, and conforming to a typical family arrangement, the children born to that arrangement will not be recognised as your children, as I say, the parent or parents that are commissioned the births, and they will be in a legal limbo in Hong Kong. And I've had a couple of cases dealing with that particular problem, where the children who are recognised as having a basic human right to a parent, to a family structure, don't have that. And this can crop up months or years after the children have been brought back to Hong Kong. A typical scenario is that Hong Kong parents have resorted to surrogacy in a jurisdiction 
which recognises commercial service arrangements and laws and procedures there are completely in tune with making such arrangements. They enter into an agreement which will be a commercial agreement and the Human Reproductive Technology Ordinance, the, those processes, a child or children are born under the foreign law and the case I've had have been US law. The children are recognized at birth as the parents of the commissioning parents, not the birth parents. In fact, the birth parents will be required to repudiate all parental interests in the child at birth. And they then bring the children back to Hong Kong. They appear on the birth certificate as the parents of the child under U.S. law. They will come in, for example, as U.S. citizens on a visitor's visa. They will then stay here. The visa may be renewed. And problems that will then arise when... For example, they will seek to have the children have school fees or exceptionally have serious medical treatment. And I believe the courts will be faced with more of these in the next few years. Until such time as legislation in Hong Kong is regularized. I say regularized because it's not a matter unique to Hong Kong. It is also a problem that's recognized in other jurisdictions where there's not perfect symmetry between the laws in country A and country B. And clever people at the Hague Convention have been working for about seven or eight years trying to work out common international protocol, recognizing basic requirements for surrogacy that would be recognized between the countries. But they've been at it for seven or eight years and seem no nearer achieving a solution. So it's not a matter of really for waiting for that to happen. I think the countries must themselves address the problem and decide. You know, the big question is, do we recognize commercial surrogacy in our own country? Because if you do that, you obviate the risk of people going overseas and bringing back children who don't have the nationality and artificial arrangement, which can be quite fragile. Where legislation in place would probably address all these things mm. they would, would not be called for. But in the absence of modern legislation which addresses commercial surrogacy, you will have the warship jurisdiction of the Court of First Instance as a safety net. Doing a job really it's not meant for. But why do you think that we are so behind then? And also a lot of people would come back to Hong Kong with surrogate children and they do not realise that there's Problem. Two things. We don't have the law in Hong Kong which make it conducive to people undergoing surrogacy treatment here. They have to go abroad. The problem is that lack of available information on the part of the government advising people of the pitfalls that can be encountered if you enter into international surrogacy arrangements. As part of the preparation for this chat, I looked the websites of three government websites of common law countries. I looked at the Australian government website and seeing what advice it gave to its own nationals about surrogacy. And it told them briefly what the surrogacy regimes were in Australia, but gave firm advice as to what were the consequences overseas. I then looked at the Republic of Ireland. You might not be surprised that surrogacy is not uh, approved there, but nonetheless, 
the website addresses problems of surrogacy and tells Irish nationals what the problems are and what difficulties you may get into if you get back. And then finally, the United Kingdom has a three or four page information note written about 50 or 60 paragraphs explaining the problems you may face if you enter into a surrogacy arrangement. I looked at the Hong Kong website and the immigration department. There is no mention about surrogacy. You look at the section on dependency. There's no indication that a child might not recognize that a child that appears on your passport. So one could wish that the immigration department advertise the difficulties and the potential pitfalls of entering into such an agreement and bringing children back to Hong Kong. The, yeah. the government itself should look at the two ordinances I mentioned and see whether in the light of current medical developments and current social legal attitudes to the, to the notion of family. I mean, when surrogacy was first developed, primarily as a means of infertility in married couples, the social attitudes have changed tremendously. And you now have the concept of single-sex relationship. A man or woman may wish to have a child with a proper legal relationship established. Single-sex couples, likewise, they crop up from time to time in the courts in Hong Kong. We've had immigration cases about dependency and same-sex relationships contracted overseas and whether or not they should be recognised. And it's unfortunate the courts to offer some kind of solution, but the courts can only offer short solutions. Only way forward, in my view, is to go back to the drawing board, looking at these two ordinances again and seeing how they can be brought in. Just a question about, like, nowadays, if the child is born out of parents with Hong Kong nationality, like Chinese nationality, technically, coming into Hong Kong becomes no problem. They can obtain a passport and then the ID card later. So would that send a a wrong message to these parents, thinking that, oh, I'm already the parent, and then the kid already have the ID card, the permanent residency, and also the passport? We're all set. Would that actually send a wrong message? It's interesting that some permanent residents of Hong Kong, because the basic social political unit of Hong Kong is the, the permanent resident. Now, some permanent residents who happen to be Chinese nationals will have the benefit of Chinese nationality operating. And uh, we discovered in one of our cases, surrogacy issues, to recognize that as a parent, the person who provided, as it were, genetic input into the creation of the child. So if one of the commissioning parents is a Chinese national and is also a Hong Kong parent resident, the child will be accorded permanent resident status under the basic law. So you have parental status achieved by Chinese nationality law, even though as far as the Hong Kong law is concerned, there being no parent-child order in existence. The child's parents are still six hours a mile away in California or whatever. It may get through life with the parent. That's probably fine, but the problems will arise much further on down the road when one of the parents dies and a matter of inheritance crops up. Then the question will be, is the child a child of the family and do we have any impact on succession rights? So this is why... You really need to look at our existing legislation afresh. It's not satisfactory to have that situation. So really, I mean, 
people do not know about it. There's lack of education from the government about surrogacy. And they're not aware of what they need to do if they have a surrogacy arrangement arranged somewhere else. Now, why do you think there is no such education in Hong Kong? Is it because it's intentional that it should be discouraged? I honestly don't know, because it seems an obvious thing to do. There's no reason why the Hong Kong government should not ensure that similar advice is, is given. It's the kind of question that is properly raised by a legislative councillor. And who knows whether or not legislative councillors in the future will have the interest or the motivation to ask such questions. So with surrogacy law, it's very behind compared to other jurisdictions. Now, I also want to ask for your view as to how do you see the law in relation to surrogacy itself? Where is the welfare of children in this area of legislation? It seems that it only concerns about the rights of parents. They are the ones who decide on whether the children should make an application for parental order and it doesn't seem that the children's welfare are safeguarded by anything else apart from the decision from the parents. Now, where do you think it relates to the children's rights and how the society can protect the children in this situation? Commercial surrogacy is a fact. There are places in the world where people are willing to be commissioned to produce children. That needs regulation because you need to make sure that the people that offer their services in this area are not exploited. And therefore means, I think, recognizing commercial services as a fact. So if you don't want people going overseas and getting in all kinds of complications with foreign legal system, the thing to do is recognize commercial surrogacy at home. And it may well be that if that's done, then you can regulate the thing properly. Mm. People will not be encouraged to go overseas. That's the way forward. But at the moment, you don't have that symmetry at all, and hence all the problems you have. If you, you do that, the law on the reproductive technology also has to be changed, yeah. because mm. as of now, I think IVF is available to married couples. Mm. So if we want to change the laws on surrogacy in Hong Kong, I think the law on that part has to also be updated as well. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, provided for surrogacy will only be allowed for married couples, but maybe not for singles or single-sex couples. But that's where you expect your government to tackle, to show leadership and yeah. make difficult decisions. Yeah. So what kind of advice would you give to people who are thinking of getting a surrogacy arrangement? Don't. It seems to me that if there is a real need for a couple, an individual to have a, a child, and they made out a good case for that, that can be achieved through adoption in most cases. And that therefore, you'd be encouraging adoption at home. And you would leave surrogacy only to those cases where there's generally infertility problems. If you do go abroad, you may be able to commission a child or successfully bring it back to Hong Kong. But there will be problems in the long term. And if there are any problems in the family, if, for example, parents separate, divorce, or one dies, problems can crop up at that stage. So what if they can't get a parental order? As I said before, you have this rather limping substitute for parenthood, by way of wardship. It's not meant to be automatic safety net for the cases a parental order can't be made. 
for whatever reason. But that's not a satisfactory way of going about things. And when worship is not a solution to it, because it will only last until the children reach the age of 18. What about adoption? When should that come into the picture? Or should that come into the picture at all if they can't get a parental? I think that adoption is the way to go. If you discover that you have a flawed legal relationship with the child that you've commissioned and brought into Hong Kong, and you wish to have that properly addressed, and to remove any doubts about the matter, you should seek adoption of the child. But there's also problems with adoption as well. Yeah. Yeah. Getting consent. Well, that may not be a problem, because if real parents, parents that all the children, 6,000 miles away, they will have repudiated their interests in the child at the outset, and they're very likely to sign off on an adoption order. But yes, it could technically be a problem. And they will also need to be done uh, as soon as possible yeah, as well, yeah. when the actual uh, birth parents are still around, because yeah, there's yeah. always a oh, possibility yeah, yeah. to find them. That's right. and, and also you need to do that before they reach um, adulthood mm-hmm. as well. What other advice would you give to people who has already done it overseas and back in Hong Kong and they've passed the six months period to apply yeah. for parental order and as you said, worship is not a permanent solution. No. What kind of advice would you give to them? Well, you seek legal advice, but it comes to a lawyer and the lawyer would say, well, look, this is a possibility for the next 15, 16 years child may survive in Hong Kong on the basis of one parent's link achieved, as I say, indirectly through the provisions of Article 22 of the basic law establishing permanent residency. Well, and also I think every case is different. I mean, whoever's has got themselves into the situation, they should seek legal advice. They should have sought legal advice before they <laughs> end into this thing. When do you think a law will be reformed in Hong Kong? Ten years? 20 was, <laughs> was your hope? I do not entertain hopes for innovation in legal measures like this. Clearly not a priority. As I say, you would hope that somebody would make a noise about it in the Legislative Council. Mm. Or I'm afraid we get a, a court case that gets to the court of fine appeal where it blows up. But that's not the way you should be making laws because this is a present and existing problem and needs addressing now, not as a, a quick response to a um, headline in uh, newspapers caused by a court case. Well, I think we've covered most of the stuff that we want to cover today. And I really want to thank you, Mr. Dykes and Christina, to be here today to share your experience and your views. And everything. Nice to have had the opportunity of getting it off my chest. I think we all are. Uh, <laughs> thank you yeah, very much. Thank you. You've been listening to Law & More, brought to you by Bose, Cohen & Collins. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. For more legal opinion, news, and updates, please visit bosecohencollins.com, or you can find us on social media. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you soon on our next episode.